one of my personal writing heroes is Derek Sivers, who is kind of like a Paul Graham if he decided to pursue happiness rather than pontificating on Twitter. And I think that he has a very clear style of communication and he has a joy to life that I really admire and an independence and ability to say enough, which I think is very lacking in a lot of people, including myself. I was going through some old podcast appearances that he did, and I came across this passage, which he did in 2015 with Tim Ferriss, which particularly stood out to me for the idea that you should actually focus on being useful to others. This is an objective, which seems obvious, but actually in the menu of things that you could choose to do with your life, doesn't seem that obvious. And once you really focus on being useful to others, he's really broken it down. But then there's a second layer to what he's talking about here, which is the importance of directives. So I, I got to tell you, so we haven't really talked about this yet, but this is so up your alley or your listeners alley or for people who are into books mm-hmm. will appreciate this. So a lot of my friends, actually, I don't think any of my friends are as into reading as I am. Okay, a couple are, but most aren't. And so whenever I tell them about some amazing book I've read, <laughs> they, the, the gist I get from my friends is like, well, just tell me what to do. <laughs> right. So like, Give me the my, index my, card. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't want to read the book. And, and so my friend Jeff is a smart guy. I mean, he's, he's a lawyer. He's smart. But he just looks at me with these tired eyes and he just says like, I'm not going to read the book, dude. <laughs> like just, you can stop pushing it on me. It's just never going to happen. He said, just tell me what to do. He said, I trust you. I like you. You know me. So tell me what to do. And I realized that if you trust the source, you don't need the arguments that so, so much of a book is arguing its point. But often, you don't need the argument. If you trust the source, you can just get the point. So after reading, you know, taking detailed notes on 220 books on my site, I realized that distilling wisdom into directives is so valuable, but it's so rarely done. In fact, the only time I can think of that it was done was uh, Michael Pollan, with his three books in a row about food, each one getting shorter and shorter. Um, I think the the first one was, uh, was it like Omnivore's Dilemma? Omnivore's Dilemma, yeah. yeah. Which was big. So I know that you're the big. kind of guy that would... It's a great book, but also, I mean, there are like 70 pages on the on corn production in the u.s and most <laughs> right. people just drop out uh, even yeah. i even i was like god my eyes are glazing over here but i <laughs> i know there's some good stuff coming so i'll i'll slog through it but yes a very great book but a very big book and then he did one a year later that basically took the best of the stuff from omnivore's dilemma and made it into a shorter kind of more uh, pop market two to three hundred page book i believe i forget the name of that one and Might have been I, in, in defense of food Maybe. That sounds right. Yes, thank you. Um, so even that one, I remember somebody telling me I should read it and me looking at it going like, oh, I don't know if I really want to read 300 pages about food. Um, but then a year later, he put out a teeny tiny little book called Food Rules. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's like you basically can read the whole thing while just standing in the bookstore. It's He took the energy and the effort to compress everything he's learned into very succinct directives. Uh, and that's what it's called, you know, sentences that tell you what to do. Do this, do that, or don't do that. Uh, if, if your grandmother wouldn't recognize it as food, don't eat it. Uh, and his tagline for that book, the popular phrase was, 
eat food, uh, mostly plants, not too much. Right. And I so admired that. I got inspired by the effort it takes to distill the blah, 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 blah down into the specific sentences for the people that just aren't going to read that 900-page book, right? Like, probably all of that same information is in the 900-page book, but we just have to realistically admit that most people will never read the 900-page book. So, as I'm reading these 300-page books, 220 of them, very often there will be some, like, brilliant, amazing, important point on, like, page 290. And I feel a little sad that almost nobody's going to read that. Like, I wish that these little tiny points were extracted, like, without all of this surrounding argument. So, especially, okay, I'll admit this was also sparked by the idea of uh, when I had a kid, and I thought, like, I might not be alive when he's my age, or even when he's 19, I might die before he gets older. How could I compress everything I've learned that I think he should know into a real succinct format that he will definitely read? And then, of course, then I thought, and, and you know, other people will read too. So I got onto this idea of the Do This Project, which is... um Instead of talking around a subject, just giving directives, saying, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Which is kind of funny because it feels very presumptuous, right? Like, who am I to tell others what to do? But then I think, well, who am I not to, right? It's useful. So get over myself. Kind of like you asked about, like, you know, me on stage when I was 18, what was the biggest lesson learned? Like, this isn't about me. People aren't here about me. They're, they're here for their own gain, even, you know, that, oh, you asked about my advice to TED speakers. That's my main advice to TED speakers. It's like, people aren't here to see you and your life story. People come to TED or watch TED videos to learn something. So just speak only about what is surprising and skip everything else. Where can people find the directives? Only in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I haven't done anything with it publicly. I At first, I thought I was going to make this into a big keynote speech I was doing at a conference, uh, the World Domination Summit Conference in Portland. I spent four months of full-time work from like 7 a.m. to midnight for four, you know, every, seven days a week for four months in a row, just re-reading all 220 book notes, extracting uh, or trying to turn all of this advice or this knowledge, this wisdom, trying to turn it into directives. Because a lot of it almost never is in the directive format already. People talk around a subject. They talk about findings and research. But it, it takes some real effort, kind of like the um, the old philosophers. Um, the, what was that? You've read the, the Stoicism book, uh, The Guide to the Good Life? Yes, have I have. I have okay. that up on my living room wall as well. So... In that book, he says, right in the intro, he said, if you ask a modern uh, person who calls themselves a philosopher, uh, what should I do with my life? <laughs> he said, get, you know, sit down and get comfortable because they will tell you, well, it depends what you mean by what, and it depends what you mean by do, and really it depends what you mean by life, or really, maybe it depends on what you mean by my life. You know, he said, People are, are talking around the issue so much these days, but he said, back in 600 BC, if you would have asked one of these philosophers, what should I do with my life, they would sit down and tell you exactly what to do with your life. Do this, don't do that, pursue this, don't pursue that. Uh, so I was really inspired by that 
intro too. So the idea was now how can I go back through all of these amazing books I've read and compress all of this wisdom into specific directives. So it took me four months of work to come up with the following like 18 sentences. Do you want to hear them? I do want to hear them. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm super excited about this. So this was going to be a 35 minute long keynote speech and it turned out to be a horrible 35 minute long talk, but it's entertaining for about three minutes. So here's, here's the three minute version. Okay. First I had fun categorizing them. Uh, so this is the category called how to be useful to others. Ready? I'm ready. Number one, get famous, do everything in public and for the public. The more people you reach, the more useful you are. The opposite is hiding, which is of no use to anyone. How to be useful to others. Number two, get rich. Money is neutral proof that you're adding value to people's lives. So by getting rich, you're being useful as a side effect. Once rich, spend the money in ways that are even more useful to others. Then getting rich is double useful. How to be useful to others. Share strong opinions. Strong opinions are very useful to others. Those who are undecided or ambivalent can just adopt your stance. But those who disagree can solidify their stance by arguing against yours. So even if you invent an opinion for the sole sake of argument, boldly sharing a strong opinion is very useful to others. How to be useful to others? Be expensive. People given a placebo pill were twice as likely to have their pain disappear when told that that pill was expensive. People who paid more for tickets were more likely to attend the performance. So people who spend more for a product or service value it more and get more use out of it. So be expensive. That's it. Okay, this is, this is good stuff. So well, that's how to be useful to others. That's just one category. I've got a few more if you want to hear them later. So he's got a few more directives that he reads out. Uh, they're not as good in my subjective opinion, but you can go check them out in both the full podcast as well as the transcript, which I'm going to link in the show notes. But I think that's the source of the fortune cookie-ism that you might see on Twitter, that people are trying to distill wisdom and is actually useful to some people just because it doesn't have context, just because it doesn't have a full story, just because you don't see it. It doesn't matter. If it's useful to someone, it actually helps. And I think that there's an art form and a skill and genuine utility in mastering concision.